Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to In Violence, a podcast where we explore how faith and health, both physical and mental, intertwine in our daily lives and how we can finally find balance as Muslims. I hope you are all doing well, inshallah. Welcome to a new episode of In Balance. And today we are going to talk about our period. And I know some of you are going to be like, how is this going to be enjoyable? I hate being on my period. It is painful. I feel very stressed and fatigued and just not in the best mental health space and physical space. Um, but the goal of today's episode is to show you that Being on your period doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be something you dread, something you are not excited for, but it can actually be a blessing in disguise. Um, if you follow me on YouTube, I've shared a video on how to stay close to Allah during your period. And I like to think that this episode is a great way to um, complete it and get everything you need to take this time of the month as an opportunity to cherish your body, cherish yourself, and still remain close to your faith. So in today's episode, I'm having a great conversation with Hind, who is the founder of Lip Period, which is a sustainable period care. I am so glad to have women on the podcast that are doing things that I think are either innovative or things that we don't really see that often. And especially when it comes to things like period and sustainability, I think this is very unique. And I was so excited to have this conversation with him, who I've been following for years now. So I hope this is going to be helpful. As usual, you can leave a rating on the podcast if you enjoyed this episode. And let's get right into it. Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to a new episode. And assalamu alaikum to my beautiful guest, Hind, who is the founder of Leap. Hi, sister. Alaikum salam. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. I am so, so excited to have you. This is going to be such an insightful and I want to say fun talk, but <laughs> because I think this is going to be fun, but If you saw the title of the podcast episode, you might be thinking periods are not fun, but they can be. This is our goal today is to show you that it's not as bad as it looks. Before we get into the topic of the episode, I would love him to introduce yourself. Please tell us who you are and what is your mission <laughs> in this life. <laughs> Um, I'll try to do my best. Uh, I'm Hind, Hind Al-Khatrash. I'm based in Kuwait and I run a sustainable period care brand called Leap. Um, I founded Leap back in 2019 and our purpose and mission at Leap is to help heal women's relationships with their periods through clean and curated period care products that are better for them and the planet. I feel like the introduction that you just gave, everyone listening is going to think that It, it completely makes sense that Asya wanted her on her podcast. I mean, you talk about women, 
you 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 target women you you love sustainability just as much as i do it just all made sense um this is a match made in heaven as the expression <laughs> said so yeah just thank you so much hint for being with me today and having this conversation um we will get into how everything started with leap and everything but what i would love to for you to do first is to tell us the kind of relationship that you had with your body growing up and especially with your period because i feel like when um when you're in your teenage years it's where obviously you start to discovering your body and everything and personally at first i do remember the first time i got my period i cried <laughs> because my mom she never mentioned to me that this was something that happened but i was pretty young as well so i think she didn't expect me to go get my period at this age and then during my teenage years, they were pretty painful and I hated my periods. I would love to for you to tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, for sure. I recall getting my period with very minimal information about what a period was. Um, thankfully, friends around me had already started getting their periods. And so it was me having kind of to go up to my mom and asking about... Um, what that meant for her to give me like a very kind of vague explanation um, of what it was. But at least in, in um, the Kuwaiti school systems, it wasn't really part of the education um, material or syllabus. So we didn't have any background as to what it was in school. I'm the eldest of my siblings, so I didn't have any older sisters uh, to ask or kind of have that conversation with. And our moms are generally very kind of reserved. And I don't know if, if it's them kind of in denial of us growing up or <laughs> it's just a very hard conversation for them to have because they never got the opportunity to have these conversations with their own mothers and parents. So I feel like I just kind of went through puberty with like a very vague idea of this is just kind of me growing up, but not a, mm. a single clue as to what it was happening happening inside of me, what this meant to my reproductive system, um, you know, what things I should be looking out for, what were the, you know, general practices of uh, maintaining uh, hygienic period experience. So, yeah, I just, I think I was just kind of floating through it. Um, and it's, more interestingly is that I never really questioned it, not until... I don't know, a little after, a little uh, bit after my university years, I want to say. It was just, mm. you know, something that just kind of happened every month. There was no um, attention to it. There was no kind of like uh, um, ritual to it. There was no experience that I wanted to kind of yeah. uh, elevate uh, about it. It was just something I kind of needed to get through and just kind of you know go through life like men would you know <laughs> i completely relate to that and um even you know the um, the different phases of our cycles mm -hmm. i i learned that only maybe like one or two years ago i wasn't aware of that i i mean it's funny because I went to med school, you know, I started my studies by going to med school and this wasn't so much of a, of a topic um, or like it might have been mentioned, but it was not really a focus on what makes a, um, a specific phase the way it is and, mm -hmm. and how to deal with your body when you're in that specific phase. And it was like, yeah, most of my life I was like, okay, 
I am going to get my period this month and I'm going to suffer because <laughs> not everyone has painful period. That's something that is interesting. And for a long time, I didn't understand why I had really painful periods. Now you guys know I do have endometriosis, so that is a factor. But compared to you, it's funny because I was the first one in middle school to get my period. So I was really like just like not understanding why I would find blood in my pants the first time it happened. And it, I remember crying. I, luckily, it was at home. And I remember starting to cry. And my mom, when I called her, she started laughing. I was like, why are you laughing? This isn't funny. <laughs> and then she explained. And I was like, this is something that is going to happen to me every month for hopefully until I, everything goes well, a few years, like a few decades. And she was like, yeah, and that is like... Um, that is a sign that your reproductive system is working well. That was probably the only information that I had, but you know, I was pretty young and never really thought about it. Just like it was like, yeah, this is this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because I feel like most women do have a complicated relationship with with their period. So my next question is, what really motivated you to create? leap which is again a period care brand mm -hmm. and specifically a sustainable one because you know personally for a few years before i was this aware of sustainability for me buying period care was something it was kind of a no-brainer i was on my period i would go buy the same brand for years and years and years and didn't think too much about it how did you go around that and yeah i would love a spe specifically for you to tell us like what what you considered like what was the spark that made you think okay i need to create a period care brand <laughs> uh for sure so the funny part is the sustainability is what came first way before the period oh, okay. care but um i had started the account leap loves green back in 2019 and it was just kind of like a fun um, account i ran on the side i didn't have any intention of Uh, you know, monetizing it or growing it. But because our um, sustainability resources in Kuwait are very limited, um, so like, you know, recycling centers, you know, little eco-conscious boutique stores aren't, or at least weren't very widely available back then. Um, yeah, I was going to say if it was still the case today. Mm, I mean, somewhat. I mean, we're still kind of working around like recycling centers and such because they're not um, kind of uh, subsidized by the government or anything yet. Mm. Um, there isn't, you know, much of a national uh, campaign towards sustainability quite yet. Unfortunately, the, the downfall of yeah. all, all of the rich countries uh, at the moment. Um, but... Uh, that's what I kind of what kind of drove me to start the account is to be able to kind of be everyone's kind of local green guide and show them where you can find, um, you know, these uh, biodegradable toothbrushes or naturally, you know, two ingredient uh, toothpaste or uh, shampoo bars instead of, you know, shampoo bottles so that you're um, getting things, you know, package free. Um, showing them to other services that are available, be it recycling centers or composting centers or whatnot. Um, and that kind of uh, was how I started uh, Leap Loves Green and maintained it for quite a few months. Um, very, became very kind of involved in that world, understood the market very well. And it was, it was unintentional market research that I did. Um, <laughs> 
but I just kind of came to know all these businesses that were coming up. I understood what there was a, a saturation of in terms of products, what there was a lack of, where there were gaps in the market. Um, and it just kind of became, you know, common knowledge to me without really, without me really trying. Um, and I think what really drew me into uh, sustainability and um, eco-conscious products was the innovation behind all of these products coming out, new materials, biodegradable materials, people were inventing things, people were taking everyday items and re rethinking how they work all together. And I just found that level of creativity to be so exciting, to be so appealing. And um, I just wanted, you know, to find what was the, you know, latest thing in the market um, all the time. Um, and so on a trip to Australia, I was kind of just doing my research. It was an opportunity for me to kind of see what's going on in other countries, uh, maybe, you know, do a little shopping as well and um, explore new brands that are coming up. And that's where I came across the brand Suno, uh, which is a uh, bamboo pad brand. Uh, their bamboo pads are uh, made with natural bamboo, of course, biodegradable. They're extremely gentle on sensitive skin. Um, and they're also much more absorbent than cotton pads as well. But that the product in and of itself wasn't what really made it for me. It was the the brand as a whole, the way 50% yeah. of their proceeds went to funding girls' education, the way their packaging was always featuring artwork by women artists from around the world, um, how it was really a brand made by a woman for other women and had a huge social responsibility angle to it. Um, and I just felt this woman just cracked the code to the most ethical, sustainable business in the world. Um, and it was it was just um, too good to be true. And I said I was you know headed to Australia anyway. Why not email them and see if they would be open to you know maybe being you know having me be their stockist uh, and distributor. So that's what I ended up doing, just kind of sending an email. Uh, this is me. This is what I do. I run this um, Instagram account, hopefully having a website soon. Can I carry some of your products? And subhanAllah, it turned out that Roz Campbell, the founder of Suno, was in the same neighborhood I was staying at in Australia, uh, in Melbourne. And we, met coffee, um, and we had a conversation and she's more than happy for me to kind of go back and, and try selling Suno and see how that would go. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. Um, and again, the intention was still sustainable products. So after Suno, I started kind of stocking some personal care items like refillable hand soaps and body soaps. And um, I carried some clay bottles for a while, um, so sustainably made hijabs as well, um, some warm bottles, you know, a range of items. But nothing moved faster than the Suno pads. Uh, again and again, there was a huge demand for those. And it just made sense to kind of follow the numbers. I already had an idea of what the market was looking like. And no one was offering this kind of solution for period care. It was such a niche category. Um, yeah. So it just made sense for me to kind of capitalize on that and make that my thing. So back in 2021 is when I kind of committed to being a sustainable period care brand. We carried Suno and then very shortly after other brands like uh, She's Eve, which is a reusable pad, uh, Marlowe tampons, which are organic cotton tampons with um, biodegradable applicators. Um, we also carried Best Period, which are reusable menstrual cups. So just kind of, you know, growing our range um, of sustainable period care products to give women 
this option of variety uh, because like you said, we are so automated or like we go through life on autopilot going to the grocery store buying the same pads over and over again never really thinking we have options outside of that um and yeah that's kind of how leap kind of came to fruition today this is such a cool story um you know i when i was listening i was thinking about the fact that um here in france i'm comparing because it's interesting you you live in the middle east which is very different but as someone who is from a non-french non-western background i would see the difference Mm -hmm. in the way that we were talking about period at home and how others were talking about period period so freely you know and um when it came to period care that was like for me i remember from a, a young age when i started to get my period I, I, my mom just told me you wear pads and that's it. And growing up, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to buy the same pad like for the rest of my life and that's it. And when I started to get interested into sustainability, it became very clear that um, pads are terrible, not only for the environment, but also for your body. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the it's not even just something that we say like this because you and I are passionate about sustainability. But even if you look at a normal um, a pack of, of pads, it would say that this contains plastic, so you shouldn't throw it in the ocean, for example. When I read mm-hmm. that the first time, I was like, this is what we wear during our periods in, like, close to our intimate parts. And that was so shocking to me. I was like... This is kind of worrying that for years and years and years, brands got richer and richer on like providing for us products for our health that are not even that good. Um, Mm. And then when I started seeing the rise of sustainable period care, I was so pleasantly surprised. I was like, this is good. This is like leading in the right direction. But unfortunately, a lot of women do not realize how important this is. Like, even generally speaking, as Muslimas, because this is still a topic that is a little bit taboo, you're not going to justify really putting care into your period when this is so important. So I can only imagine, uh-huh. like, did you, when you had the idea, weren't you a little bit afraid of how your brand was going to be welcomed in Kuwait and even more so like the whole Middle East region? Uh, for sure. I think... There were two things I was very cautious of. Number one was not carrying that alarmist language of environmentalists into our yeah. brand messaging. So, you know, the way they kind of um, market themselves or kind of push you to to be more sustainable by scaring you. Uh, there's going to be more plastic in the ocean by 2050 within the more plastic than fish in the yeah. ocean or the world's, you know, uh, getting warmer and warmer by two degrees every year or trying to scare you into ca- adopting that lifestyle. That was something I definitely didn't want. Um, yeah. And instead, I really wanted to adopt something that was much more inclusive um, that said, wherever you are in your sustainability journey, whether you're still, whether you're switching from, you know, plastic straws or you're wearing a menstrual uh, cup every month, you're welcome to you know, explore our options. You're welcome to uh, to follow us. You're welcome to be part of our community. Um, and I felt that language uh, was 
you know, a lot more kind of easy, much more welcoming and much more inviting for women to kind of listen in on what yeah. there is um, available to them. And also be, being very kind of culturally sensitive in our language, um, because there is, I, I want to say, like a movement of normalizing periods and being like very radical about it and, and, and you know, showing used tampons on screen. And, and that's not really what we're kind of after, but rather just kind of um, having this like middle ground of uh, taking, you know, just kind of moving away from the shame and the taboo uh, around periods and being able to um, kind of experience them without shame. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, at, at the beginning of the episode, I said that this would be a fun conversation. And one thing that I love about your brand is that it is a fun brand. Like when you come across a brand for the first time, you would <laughs> never assume that this is a period care brand. It's it's like very fresh. And, you know, you just like I feel like it's, as you said, it's very accessible to everyone. And you don't feel that guilt of like, oh, yeah, I'm not as sustainable as I should be, which I think is great. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you is that because although we know when you, we go on your page that you are a sustainable period care, um, one of my question was, do you feel like you have a holistic approach to to the whole period environment and, and period process? Because um, obviously when we think about period, we mm. talk about what happens physically, but there's also a lot happening in our minds. and Right. The question I feel like is a good one to ask, especially considering that your brand doesn't look like a period care brand. It's just very fun. And and I feel like it, it lifts a weight of our shoulders when we think about periods. I would love to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think branding was definitely a big part of kind of easing the conversation, was stepping away from the norm of what period care brands really look like. Um, and instead having one that's vibrant and fun and upbeat, um, and kind of carrying that into packaging. So Suna and, and I now work very, very closely. And our latest collection of Suno pads now feature air, um, artwork from Arab women artists. Um, and this is amazing. Yeah, and the overnight pad actually was designed by Aoud Nasser, in, um, a French Lebanese artist who's uh, based in Marseille, I believe. Um, and yeah, we really kind of tried to, to diversify the range of artists we have here in Kuwait and some in Saudi Arabia and um, in Lebanon. And uh, with every production round, we're looking to work with new artists again and again. And each one of them has a little blurb on the side of the box as well to kind of brief um, the customer of, you know, who worked on their packaging, what was the intention behind the drawing, uh, because they're all kind of going into it with their own interpretation of the period experience. Yeah. Um, and so when you say we are more of a holistic brand, I do agree. Um, I always kind of um, like to reiterate to uh, the people I work with, our, our viewers, that I'm not a health professional, but I am a woman who has periods and I do understand the period experience. And that's what I kind of try to highlight and that's what I try to kind of elevate, um, whether through you know some limited edition collaborations with like local Uh, tea brands and you know producing a range of tea options for the periods for your period week or even some nail salons as we're doing right now 
where we're collaborating with a salon with a special promotion to buy a box of pads and also get your, a discount on your manicure and pedicure. Uh, because, you know, again, part of the experience yeah. is getting your nails done because you don't have to perform salat and, um, you know, we just want to kind of treat you to that experience or even some, you know, local bakeries and offering discounts on fudgy brownies because of your period cravings. <laughs> it's really all about how we can kind of elevate that experience for you and make it more kind of pleasurable and, and, and uh, push you to recognize it as something important and not you know, the way we've kind of grown up with it, which is just going through autopilot um, month after month. I love this. I didn't know this about about the brand, which makes <laughs> me love it even more. I love those initiatives because indeed it's, um, I feel like in as women in general, it's very, very easy for us to neglect ourselves, whether we're daughters trying to, especially mm-hmm. I'm also the oldest daughter and I feel like, you know, you tend to think a lot about your parents who are younger siblings or family in general. Uh, then when you get married, you know, again, you're thinking maybe about your husband first and your kids first, and then you kind of neglect yourself. And that was something that I addressed in my YouTube video on this topic, uh, which I think the title was how to remain close to Allah during your period. Mm. And it was the fact that your period is a blessing as it is a time for you to reconnect with your body and yourself that we tend to forget the rest during the rest of our cycles. And I love, I, I never heard something like this. I mean, here it's like we, we do have sustainable period cares, but it's just very much, as you said, actually, it's very much sense, like focused on the guilt, like, mm-hmm. hey, um, this is super bad for the environment. But then Obviously, here we we talk a lot about sustainability. We have recycling bins for everyone, everywhere. So it's more common and people may be more aware of it. Um, And there isn't like a whole experience around the period. It's more so like, yeah, you you need to take care of the planet and take care of your body. But I love this. This is just, oh, it makes me like, I, I wish I was there so I could buy Tuno, honestly. Um. I would love to know what has been the the feedback on, on this from women who purchase purchase your like the, your brand. Like, do you have any specific stories or just yeah a few words that you've been receiving on how the brand has changed their perception of period? Uh, for sure. I mean, it was definitely a um, an, an evolution from where we started to where we are today. Uh, reactions and feedback and. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of uh, the the backlash we would get on our content was very different from when we started to where we are now. And I don't know if it's just because we have kind of found our audience online or if there has just kind of been an overall, um, you know, awareness uh, around uh, the conversation mm. around periods. But um, people felt that it was completely unnecessary. We already knew what pads we were going to get. What are you adding to the market? We're not going to pay extra for things that are better for the planet. Um, and it, it was a challenge to kind of find the right language. Uh, and so the language had to yeah. be, this is better for you and then the planet. The, the planet is always like an yeah. afterthought. But it was, um, you know, a little light bulb moment for me when I started to realize that I really need to market these products as better for women, as better for women's bodies, as better for women's health before anything, and then talk about the sustainability as like an afterthought. Um, and I think, yeah, over the years, there's definitely been um, a lot more awareness. Um, 
in my opinion, you know, once you try bamboo, you really can't go back. And so we've developed a really nice kind of loyal clientele. Um, and we really try to, because again, we work very closely with Suno, we really try to take their feedback uh, into consideration with every production round. Um, some find the adhesive to have, you know, some people may have an issue with the adhesive, we'll improve it the next production round. Uh, people have issues with, you know, the certain a certain size, we'll improve on that. Um, and so I feel because we're such a small and nimble company, uh, working with uh, another kind of like small to medium range company, we're able to kind of really adopt and and uh, develop according to what, our, what we hear from our customers, um, as opposed to like these huge conglomerates, um, you know, pad companies that really are very out of touch with their customer base. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I think that kind of helped people feel a bit more uh, listened to, a bit more attendant to um, being not only to able to approve on the product, but also on the promotions that we're offering, the bundles that we offer. How can we make this at a more reasonable price? Um, yeah, uh, how can we, we, we understand this is a product people need urgently. Maybe my website is not the best place for it. Maybe I need to look at um, grocery delivery apps, for instance, that can get mm -hmm. delivered to people in, in 30 minutes, for instance, because it's such an urgent product. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of that kind of approach and thinking that I feel helped us gain the loyalty um, of our customers and the trust of our customers over time. And help to somewhat to normalize this uh, very important need. MashaAllah, I, I love this. And, you know, as a, as a Islamic lifestyle influencer who has been dedicating a lot of, of her content and general branding of my page to sustainability, I have seen how um, the I'm saying the Muslim community because that's my target audience, but obviously yours is a little bit larger. Um, I I realized that um, having that focus on sustainability wasn't uh, I, I don't like selling saying selling point, but like when I would work with brands that are sustainable, I would see how much harder it is to market that rather than just a you know normal Islamic product. And um, so I completely yeah. understand your approach and it's, I feel like it's great that you identify that from the start, because indeed what one thing that I see is that a lot of people don't justify spending more on a product that is better for the planet, but they will if they understand how it is better mm. for themselves. And here we're talking about health mm. <laughs> and, you know, investing in your health. I always say there are two investments that are the best you can do knowledge and your health it's like even from an islamic perspective if you want to take care of your mind and your soul it's good to invest in knowledge whether it is islamic knowledge or just knowledge in general you know um and then you need to invest in your health because your body isn't emana from allah but that doesn't mean that the planet isn't you know it's still a gift from him that we need to take care of but I feel like we're a little bit selfish <laughs> and obviously if it impacts us directly <laughs> then we're more likely to spend a little bit more and even more so subhanallah sometimes I, I reflect well I do reflect a lot upon the uh, fashion industry and how a lot of people mm -hmm. um they you know they 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 justify buying something from a brand that is fast fashion sometimes they do hauls that are huge and they would be more likely mm -hmm. to buy I don't know 10 items from a fast fashion brand at $300 rather than 
one or two pieces of items at the same price, but uh, that are sustainable and better quality. And I feel like that would be the same for period care. You know, a lot of people would think this happens once a month. It all does the same thing. So why would I spend more just so it, just because it is sustainable, you know? But I'm so glad that this is all right. shifting, you know, uh, and that you're making a change. <laughs> what about... Um, have you got feedback from men? Because that was in, in the questions that I, I sent you, but I remembered a story. Uh, it was actually Lemia from my first podcast episode who told me this story. She participated in a, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing the story. <laughs> I don't think she does. I'll, if so, I will just edit this part out. But um, she told me that she participated in an entrepreneurship competition in the Middle East. And she wasn't selected, mm. but another girl was in the last 10 participants. And she was the only woman and she had um, a period app, like a period cycle tracking app. She was very proud of nice. that app and then she didn't end up being selected. I think she got into the last three and then she didn't win. And when she asked why, because she wanted to understand where she could improve, um, the jury was only men. And they told her, well, we don't really understand the product. And I thought it's crazy to think Oof. that we're in 2024 now and men still don't understand that. So I was wondering, have you had to face mm. men in your region um, giving you feedback on this? Or like even in your family, maybe, have you got some feedbacks that were either positive or negative? So naturally, I did experience both. Um Unfortunately, very much like Lemia, um, I experienced something extremely similar back in September where I applied for a grant, pitched my presentation. I knew all the criteria that we were being judged against. And I knew for a fact, just based off the numbers, this isn't a subjective opinion, you know, just strictly off of the numbers and uh, that I presented against the other uh, competitors, I outperformed them all. Um, it's just pure math. Yeah. And uh, didn't end up winning because, and this is something I uh, was told by one of the judges who came to apologize by the end of the ceremony, um, that, you know, we are really sorry we couldn't go forward with you. You know how it is. Our company's a bit conservative. Um, and so it, that was just devastating because I'd worked for months before that grant pitch, um, only yeah. to find out that I never had a chance winning at all but they just needed to check this little inclusivity box that they had yes she said the same thing lamia said the exact same thing subhanallah and it was just devastating um and i couldn't believe this is you know what we still continue to deal with um and i have other interactions with like suppliers or distributors sorry that i um work with who for instance just need to fill like a certain category and I need tampons. Just get me the tampons that you have. And I'm like, you guys, I have experience in the market. Women here don't use tampons that much. They're not going to sell as well. Let's just focus on yeah. pads and just get me the tampons. I need to fill this category with tampons. And, you know, they, they are just so resistant to kind of understanding the experience because there is this very, um, this huge awkwardness in actually talking about it. Um, and so, you know, you have to just kind of keep pushing um, uh, with the, the evidence that you have. Another example, actually, uh, which uh, social media really came in hand to, to prove as evidence, was our vending machines. 
Um, so we offer vending machines within toilet facilities in public bathrooms, uh, such as uh, commercial centers and malls and such. Um, and we, we don't have, we don't have that here in France, or oh. we don't have that a lot. I think they start to start to add it to universities, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But see, it doesn't mean anything. That's another way to bring stigmas around the the Arab countries. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we knocked on so many doors and the administration just didn't see a point in why we would need mm. to install these machines um, to make period care accessible to women. Um, it was just something they didn't believe was uh, needed and would cause embarrassment to women in the bathroom facilities. And so I took that conversation to Instagram and we had a video go viral on both Instagram and TikTok where I asked people, hey, these are the vending machines we had. Where would you like to see them? And the comment section just blew up. Uh, and that's what I ended up taking to the administration next time around, showing them that you have thousands and thousands of women asking for these to be available in your mall right now. Can we move yeah. forward with that? And so it's, it takes that kind of ongoing effort, you know, just proving yourself again and again um, to be able to get the most kind of, uh, you know, minimum done, uh, unfortunately. So the... The, the struggle is very much real, um, mm. but there have been some really great positives, I want to say. My family has kind of really flipped the switch when it comes to talking about periods and period care products now. Uh, I guess it's because all I kind of eat and breathe now is period care. <laughs> <laughs> they really can't escape it. Um, but it really is incredibly strange to, to see how, you know, my dad and I kind of talk about it now as opposed to how we were, uh, you know, five, six years ago. Um, for the longest time, I would shy away from ever telling my dad I couldn't go swimming this weekend uh, because I'm on my period. Or I'd have my mom tell him we'd have to cancel our Umrah trip. You know, I, I'm on my period this weekend. It was it was a really kind of huge barrier um, in conversation. Um But now it's it's definitely uh, something that's become much more normalized. And a really sweet interaction I had um, on our Instagram page once was with a dad who had no clue on how to go about periods or product, but he just wanted to get the best for his daughter. And I don't know much about, you know, what their family situation is, if he's a single dad or what's going on. But, um, you know, maybe he's one who just wanted to be very involved and he's just like, What do I get her? Um, how do I know which one she needs? What's a panty liner? Does she need a panty liner? <laughs> and it's, it was very sweet to kind of see someone who's so interested. And he's like, what else can I get her? Would the warm bottle help? Should I get her one of those as well? And that conversation with him just, you know, went on for for two, three days at a time because he just kept coming back with more questions. This um, is so sweet. <laughs> absolutely. So... I think there are definitely two sides of the coin. There are men who are really trying and, um, you know, wanting to get more involved in this and want to be more attentive to the women in their lives. And then there are those who are a little more stubborn. <laughs> yeah, I completely related to the story you told about you telling your mom to tell your dad. That was something. <laughs> But interestingly, I, I I'm pretty sure... It's not everyone's case, but in my case, my mom was more freaked out than my dad. I remember <laughs> one specific time when I got my period at a pretty late hour. I think it was 11 p.m. or something like this. And we, I didn't have any, any pads at home. Mm. And obviously, I was like, 
I need them. Like, how am I going to spend the whole night without pads? And my mom, she was like, what are we going to do? I was like, well, just tell dad. I was like, no, I can't. Like, what do you mean you can't? (laughs) And she ended up doing it. And my dad, uh, bless him, he, he, he was like, I mean, I've never bought them. So if you just tell me which one I, I need to buy, then I don't mind. Um, and I was like, see, you don't have to to make such a big deal out of it. He doesn't really care. Like, obviously, when he's going to pay for the period care, they know that it's not for him, you know? He, <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, but even when we were younger and we would go to swimming pools and things like this, he... Um, yeah my my mom was like oh we we like we need to tell your dad it's like yeah well you tell him (laughs) and my sister and I we always said we inshallah when we get married we will talk about this with our husbands and be like we we don't if we ever have daughters we want them to be comfortable telling you that they can't because they're on their period it's okay it's Mm -hmm. a natural thing um but what do you think there's still like so much shame around this which is just natural like we don't control that we it's not like we we just decide to have our period you know what do you think there's still so much shame around it i think it's because of a very blurred line between religion and culture um and Mm. the idea of haya it drives me crazy it absolutely drives me crazy when you know i I still get these comments and on my videos to this day of like you know there's no more haya in this world uh, women are just out there, you know, talking about whatever they want. These things should be private. And I think people really do blur the line between, you know, what is indeed haya and what haya means. And, you know, haya is, is um, having regard to Allah in front of what you do and, and um, uh, you know, uh, what happens in front of you. But uh, it is not being quiet and sitting yeah. in a corner. <laughs> um so I think that is a huge factor in what continues to to cause a lot of uh, or attach a lot of taboo and shame around it. Um, I feel people really do have these two concepts mixed up. Yeah, I can't agree more. Honestly, um, that was something, a question that I, that I asked uh, Samira, who joined me on one of the episodes. We talked about managing sexual desires as single women, and she has a page dedicated mm. to sexual health for muslims and she gets mm. so much hate as a woman who a muslim woman who decides to address these issues even though she does it in such an insightful and respectful way it's not you know she isn't yeah. as you say she pre- she preserves her haya but somehow people get crazy mad and i told her that back in the day i was watching this um sister who was a gynecologist on youtube um and, you know, I feel like in France, people are even harder when it comes, like Muslim French people are like even harder when it comes to this type of stuff. And um, oh. she would get get so much hate. And then we didn't understand because she was literally a doctor. That's like her profession. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, are you guys serious? Like she's educating people. That's what we need. But. I mean, even Mm -hmm. generally speaking, on social media, women do get a lot of hate for, you know, exposing themselves. And you get a lot of messages like, yeah, you're a woman. You shouldn't show yourself on social media. I think there's like Mm -hmm. there's um, you can be right in the middle. If your mission is clear and you're not here to, you know, seduce anyone or 
get compliments, but you're here for a clear mission that is educating people or promoting your business in a way that makes sense, then I don't see why there's, as you said, we should just sit in a corner and keep like uh, nurturing those taboos. Nowhere in the Quran does yeah. it says that does it say that we can talk about our period. You know, there's a way for sure to talk about it. But at the end of the day, Allah created us this way. It, it's it's crazy to think that no one questions uh, a man who needs to eat, for example. You know, it's like, well, I, I need to eat. I'm hungry. I need to eat. Well, we get on our period. We need period care. That's not that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I, I love that you did mention the fine line between culture and um, and religion, because that's something as well that really motivated me to create my page in the first place is that I would always get super frustrated to see how people were so quick to judge, but they don't even like mm. understand what Islamic teachings tell us about this topic or this topic. And I didn't understand why for such a long time there was so much taboo around something that was just so natural. I'm not going to say that periods are pretty. Like, it, it, it's just, you know, it, it's period. But at the same time, like, this is something that, you know, sometimes I'm telling myself, subhanAllah, you know, this is crazy what is happening right now. How we, as women lose so much blood and still are able to function mm -hmm. that that's just i think you know there are signs in the most simplest thing and subhanallah allah chose us to go through this to keep going on with our lives and then you know mm -hmm. at, after a few days it stops and yeah it let, it's go back to the rest of your cycle but yeah it's crazy to think yes. that um people including women as well it's not just men like even women mm -hmm. they, there's so much taboo around yeah. it And I think uh, people are also very selective in the way they want to frame things. So, for instance, um, the idea that you're prohibited from praying during your period, people try to frame it as that when, in fact, you are pardoned yeah. from praying. Um, there's a huge, you know, mental shift in how you kind of, and perspective in how you see that. Um, when you, Allah absolves you from having to, to pray and not even have to make up those prayers once you're done, that's saying something. Yes, that is so true. Even like, you know, when it's Ramadan, it's like, yeah, you, your body, you're going to mm. get weak. You you are exempted from, from, not, from, doing, from fasting during the whole day. And uh, this is something that I, you know, when I think about it, it's... Um, It's sad because, you know, even from... I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone that is, is not Muslim. And, you know, the common narrative is that, yeah, women that are... Muslim women that are on their period are impure. Um, so because you mm. cannot touch the Quran and because you cannot pray and because you cannot fast when it's Ramadan, then, you know, it's almost like to the eyes of most people that during this time of the month, you're not Muslim anymore. Right. And it's it's crazy. It's like, no, it, it doesn't mean that Allah never meant it that way. Otherwise, he wouldn't have chosen to be Muslim and to have our period. It doesn't make any sense. You know, there are blessings in this. Um, I'm curious to know if when you started your journey with leap you had all the all those islamic considerations in mind like what was your your approach with all of this as a muslima 
Um, I'd say a bit of, yeah, both Islamic and cultural uh, considerations uh, on how to go about this. Um, keeping in mind things like how uh, tampons are going to be perceived, keeping yeah. in mind um, how, um, you know, talking about this and certain language and messaging that we're going to be using, how that needs to kind of be framed and iterated. Um taking into consideration aspects I want to build on, things yeah. like ghusl after your period. You know, how can we highlight that? Maybe it's not just the period, the experience, but also maybe an extension of that. How can we um, uh, develop something around that as well? So um, those were kind of things I kind of framed in, in the whole kind of um, experiential approach, I want to say, um, overall. Uh, some were very important, like, you know, our language and our messaging and very integral for me to kind of build on from the very start. And others, um, I'm kind of still brainstorming ways on how to approach. That's amazing. Um, it's true that I I never really thought about this before, but it is true that a lot of women, of Muslim women, decide not to wear tampons mm. for reasons that our cultural probably mostly um and it made me think it's it's kind of a different topic but it's related um it made me think of a message i received and it was at the very beginning of my account and there was this woman i think she lived in the uae or well one of the gulf countries she said um my dad doesn't allow me to you to ride bikes mm. because he thinks that that will that could break my hymen when and for those who because i don't know if everyone is educated on that topic but um culturally i want to say culturally speaking a lot of people think that if your hymen is broken it means that you had sexual relationships mm. and if that happened before your marriage then you committed zina and that is crazy because Nowadays, studies shows that um, you might have a hymen that will never break. You might have a hymen that broke when you were very young. Mm -hmm. And it's not what makes you, you know, like, like that, that shouldn't be the thing that defines whether or not you had sexual relationships before. Yes. Um, and that is the thing with tampons. I feel like a lot of people would assume that <laughs> if you wear tampons, that's what is going to happen. And it's crazy to think that, again, we're 2024, <laughs> and that is something that is still in people's mind. Personally, I don't wear tampons, not because of that reason, but because I had, I remember when I was in middle school, there was this girl, um, <laughs> she she was wearing a tampon, and the little thread that, that is out of the tampon yeah. was inside, and she was crying so hard, it kind of traumatized me. <laughs> <laughs> That was like, this isn't for me. I, I, I cannot deal with that. But Islamically speaking, there isn't anything that forbids you to wear it if that's more comfortable to you or that works better for you, right? Absolutely. Um, I have so many women who have heavier flows that, you know, choose menstrual cups and never go back. Uh, yeah. They're just, you know, so much more um, at ease uh, with that uh, option. And naturally, I do have a lot of people coming in asking, is this appropriate for non-married women? Can I still wear that? And at the end of the day, it's definitely a personal choice. But I think it is important for people to know that it's, um, 
it isn't something that's going to, you know, break your hymen. Um, this concept yeah. of virginity really needs to be addressed uh, because, yeah. you know, even on a medic- from a medical standpoint, you have medical professionals trying to assess if this person has had sexual interactions or not. And not only can they not tell the difference, they can't tell the difference from women who have given birth versus women who have never had sexual intercourse. Yes. Um, so it's it's really been blown out of proportion um, completely. And I think it's, you know, just one of the ways that we are continuing to justify sexual violence, to be very honest. Yeah. The idea of having to break a hymen um, is giving way to, you know, sexual violence when sex was never intended to be hurtful or painful at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's something that uh, isn't uh, addressed enough. Yeah, and I remember a conversation um, I, I've had with um, a few sisters who told me that even if you really reflect upon it in, in Islam, um, it's not so much about being a virgin, but rather rather so being, I don't know if we say chast, chastity. Does that exist in English? Does the word is, exist in English? No. Just generally speaking, like preserving from anything that is related to zina and it says in the quran don't approach it it's like nothing and right. you know it's more on a very personal level and between you and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's crazy to think that there are still people around the world who does the, who do this thing i'm sure you 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 have heard of it before but you know and it's your first night when you get married you sleep on a white mm. sleep um bed sheet and then you have to show that you bled during yeah. that your first night and when i heard this the first time i was like is this serious like is this something that everyone needs to know um you know it's like even let's say that your hymen didn't break and that was the real sign that you had a relation a sexual relation before or not your marriage um is that like do you want to expose your sins? Isn't that something we shouldn't do in Islam? You know, and it's crazy to think that some people still do it. Um, subhanAllah. But yeah, um, I, I, I think also, you know, when it comes to your period and, and just, you know, your body as a woman in general, it can be so specific. Our bodies, although we're all women, they don't all work the same way. Um, and I realized that as someone who has endometriosis and my lis- little sister also has endometriosis. Mm-hmm. We don't even have the same symptoms, although we have the same disease. And wow. that means that our cycles are very different. And when I see that, I tell myself, if that's the case for us, of course, it is going to be the case for women all around the world. And that for me means two things. One, Men cannot talk and 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 launch brands that are <laughs> women related. That doesn't make any sense, you know. And that's why when I see women like you who decide to educate people on this, and of course you're going to get a backlash because that's how social media works and culture works sometimes. I still tell myself, a man would never be able to talk about period the way you do. It it's just it's normal, right? They don't know how it is they have never and they will never experience it so of course we need women to educate other women on this and then just generally speaking from an islamic point of view just breaking stigmas that we are like younger generations are going to associate to allah when it was never him in the first place Mm. and that is something that is going to impact your relationship with him if you think 
oh yeah, Allah made me shameful when I have my periods because I can do this, I can do that. And if I wear a tampon, that means I'm not a virgin anymore. What kind of picture of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do you have? You know, it's very scary. (sighs) Indeed, indeed. Absolutely. (gasps) Um, Okay. We've really dived into the whole world of period (laughs) as Muslimas and women who grew up in Arab cultures and everything. I would love to know what are the things that you did or you would advise doing to Muslims to truly cherish the beauty of their period. Do you have any tips, things that you do yourself or, you know, just useful resources that you found really helped in your journey to embrace your period? Um, I would say educating yourself on your period is definitely like the number one best thing you can do because that's going to reframe and shift your perspective on how periods are and and more specifically how your period is uh, entirely. Um, I think, you know, uh, briefing yourself on how a cycle works, the four phases of a cycle is extremely important because you see so much, um, so many ways that women are now cycle syncing their lives Um, be it how they're kind of organizing their work, uh, working hours, their work week, whatnot, depending on what phase of the cycle they're in. It really helps make sense of, you know, the the emotions and the feelings and the kind of, you know, bodily sensations you uh, have throughout the month. You really are able to now kind of connect, oh, it's probably because I'm in this phase of my um, cycle at the moment. And it's worth noting when we say cycle, we're not talking about just a period week, but rather the full 28 days yeah. of the month, which is also yeah. a, you know, a relatively new fact that um, we've kind of come to learn. I think you know, framing um, you know, what, the, what a cycle is in your mind is, is really helpful. And then understanding your period more specifically. So if you're one that has a regular period or experiences uh, severe period pain, it is definitely worth scheduling an appointment with your health professional to take you know, a look at what that is, explore options, um, because no period is ever intended to be painful. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, it's not a woman's issue. It's quite literally a health issue uh, that you need to be able to comfortably discuss with your doctor. So whether that looks like going on supplements or certain medication, um, all of these re- things really kind of help elevate your quality of life overall really yeah I cannot agree more with what you you said um I think there's because of everything we mentioned there's still a lot of stigma as well about going to see a specialized health professional when it comes to to this although it is very important um the more you educate yourself on this the more you realize the complexity of our bodies and not just the fact Mm -hmm. that we're all different but also your body in itself it can really change because as women we are very sensitive to hormonal change and that obviously Hind and I are not health professionals but I think it just can give you a little bit of insight and hopefully encouragement to take things into your own hands and and really protect your health because again this is it is an emana from Allah and you need to take care of it um and when you start to educate yourself on this and you realize how your body changes throughout your cycle, it's kind of crazy. I, I follow this girl online. I'm not sure if she is actually a health professional or not, or not, but last 
I think it was last week, she was sharing the different types of food she was eating according to her cycle phases. And I thought this was so interesting. And she did mention how it supported this or that hormone. And and I was like, this is so interesting because overall, her whole cycle doesn't feel like a burden anymore. And I know personally, yeah. I, ever since I was diagnosed, um, even with PCOS, I was like, I it's crazy how certain foods or certain experiences are not really, you know, managing my stress very well is going to impact the way I feel in my body and the way my periods are going to be. Sometimes when the month went well, it's, well, I have, again, endometriosis, so it's still painful, but it's manageable. When I neglect myself during the month, it's terrible. And this is something that when I was younger, I never thought about. I was just like some some months that were okay and others. I have a vivid memory of me living in Copenhagen. And I think it was during the month of exams. And because I was a procrastinator, I'm still kind of am. <laughs> I, I, it's not procrastination. I told before that I think I have ADHD. So that I'm trying to give myself a little bit of, you know, trying to be kind with myself when it comes to this. But I remember I this month was very intense. I had traveled a lot and like didn't really rest. Though this pain, this period was so painful. I was crying so hard. And I texted my one of my friends who lived in the room next door. I was like, do you have any medication? Because right now I think I'm going to die. And she was like, yeah, wait, I- I'm coming. She knocked at my door and she could have opened it from uh, outside. But she couldn't because I locked mm. myself. And I was like, girl, I cannot I cannot get up. So just leave it. I, I'm, I think I'm just going to end up sleeping. I couldn't even get up to get the medication. And the, the month after that, my period were fine. And I never put really that much mm. thought into why it was so different from a month to another. But now that I'm more educated on the topic, I know how I need to really take care of myself throughout the month, not just the week before my period, to make it a little bit easier on myself. So I completely agree with everything that you said. That was, I told you, Hind, I am someone that tends to ramble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you made a, really, a lot of great points. Um, I think we forget how much of this, everything about, around us is quite literally built by men and, and designed for men from, you know, uh, nine to five working hours, from, you know, workout programs, from even medical advice, like sleeping eight to seven to eight hours a night. These are all, you know, um, bits of information that are catered and and uh, developed for men. Whereas uh, as women, we need nine to 10 hours of sleep. Uh, our work- workouts look very different from every yeah. phase of our cycle. Some weeks we're gonna be very high energy and some weeks we're not. Um, you know, our foods and the nutrition and the supplements we're going to need are all going to kind of differ uh, month to month because we don't operate on 24-hour cycles like men yeah. do. We operate on 28-day cycles, uh, which is completely different. Um, so, yeah, uh, education and knowledge and information all the way. Yeah, and self-care as well. You know, if we, we touched upon this before, but um, your period doesn't have to be this this thing that you dread so much and that you're like, oh, no, I'm on my period. It's like, okay, I'm on my period. That means that I can pamper myself. I can chill a little bit. You know, it's like even productivity wise, 
I used to think that I used to find ways to be super productive when I'm on my period. Like, oh yeah, let's find out a way to still be on top of the game when I'm on my period. Why would you do that? (laughs) You know, it's like you get one week in your, oh, approximately, obviously it depends, but approximately a week to just take care of yourself. Do the things that make you feel prudent. Do the things that just make you feel good and that, you know, yeah, just indulge on that chocolate cake or whatever, or like that pizza that you've been craving. It's not that you shouldn't eat pizza the rest of the month, but you get my point, right? It's like, it, it's, um, I just learned to be kind and, and merciful to yourself during this time of, if, if Allah is allowing you not to pray, just give yourself a little bit of slack, you know? Exactly. exactly. Sure. Um, I am wondering... What would you like to see more of in the period care landscape now that you've been implemented, you've been doing this for a while, uh, what you would like to see being improved? I'm saying this both in our homes as women, but also obviously in the market as a social entrepreneur that you are. (laughs) Um, I think one thing, maybe two things I'd really like to see is number one, uh, the industry as a whole of you know clean sustainable period care products being much more uh, priced at a much more accessible price point for them to yeah. really start competing with period care with like the commercial period care brands um, I think that would be an absolute game changer and I think it is heading in that direction because the industry just keeps growing and growing year after year um, and so hopefully I I do foresee you know these brands starting to you know, be right next to the commercial period care products on the shelves and uh, at a not too distant price point. Um, And I think another thing would be uh, just kind of seeing more accessory items um, to the period experience. So not just pads or tampons or uh, menstrual cups, but rather, um, you know, more uh, teas and supplements and, and, uh, warm bottles um that are designed um around that experience you know the 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 sky's the limit you know you can go from candles to soap bars uh made for periods there really is no um limit to it and it extends all the way to the food and beverage industry as well um so i think you know having kind of more attention and more things kind of developed for women, uh, at least for that time of the month, would be really exciting to see in the industry. And hopefully something where you will soon be taking part in, uh, inshallah, in the, I want to say in the coming year. Inshallah, inshallah. That was my last question. How do you <laughs> see LIP evolving? One of the questions I had as the entrepreneurship lover that I am, especially, you know, you spoke to my heart talking about how much you loved that um, Tsuna was a, a social business with like a great impact and ethical practices. That speaks to my heart. Mm-hmm. I've said it before on the podcast. I worked as a coach with social entrepreneurs before doing the Mizan and everything. So that is something that I am passionate about. I think there's a way for brands to be, especially as Muslim, Muslim entrepreneurs, to have ethical practices and create businesses that have a positive impact that don't compromise on our values i think this is essential um Mm -hmm. so when you told 
this and how much you love this. This spoke to my heart. So obviously, I wanted to know how do you see Leap evolving? Do you have like do you plan on launching your own products? What are your plans? And obviously, what can we wish for you? <laughs> uh, so. Leap is a multi-brand store, and I have been carrying um, and distributing for brands from all over the world for approaching four or five years now. And it's been a huge um, privilege and such an amazing learning experience to be able to have, um, you know, connected with all these businesses from around the world. A lot of them are women founders and learning from, um, you know, the work they do and supporting the work they do by distributing for them locally. And I feel like it is now the time for Leap to kind of take the leap <laughs> and <laughs> go off and maybe find something to contribute to the period care industry. And that is what I have been kind of thinking of and, and kind of having a cook in the back burner uh, for quite some time. Uh, and it's actually what I applied uh, for the grant um, for back in September uh, to help fund this project. As we know, the fund didn't go through. So, uh, alhamdulillah, as devastating as it was, I had or I was inspired to take this project to the community, uh, inshallah, once it's ready, and uh, be able to kind of crowdsource uh, from people through Kickstarter, for instance, uh, and have you know our community and our people support uh, this new product that we would like to launch. Um, it would be a product that is separate from from Leap, but still very much connected to our work in the period care industry and a product that was built and inspired by our experience in the period care industry. So it is still going to be something that adds value, uh, but it's not going to be like a pad or a tampon or, or a direct uh, product, but rather an accessory item. Um, and so, yeah, this has kind of been what's happening in the background. Um, we are still in the lab kind of, you know, finalizing uh, the last rounds of formulation, but um, inshallah, inshallah, once it's ready, you guys will all be the first to know uh, that it's uh, on the market and ready to be funded. Inshallah. May Allah bless everything that you do with so much barakah. I think you can tell how you. I've been following you for a long time we connected a while back because for me yeah finding muslim women breaking society standards and showing on so many different levels and that is something that i'm very proud of with this season of the podcast and inshallah the next one is that i've been able to have conversations with muslim women from all around the world who have this passion for being muslim in a balanced way but also who mm. care about their health who want to have a positive impact and leave a mark that you know makes makes us proud to be muslim women you know and when i hear stories mm. like yours it just uh it it gives a, a a way deeper meaning to everything that that i do and i hope inshallah that inspires everyone who's been listening to this episode. Um, thank you so much, Hin. Jazakallah for being with me today. Um, pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Asya. I really enjoyed this conversation. I was looking forward to it from the start and it absolutely did not disappoint. Uh, this was uh, the best hour and a half that I've spent all day. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I'm so glad. And I, I hope you guys listening enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed having this conversation. I will obviously leave all the links of Hin in the podcast episode description um and yeah jazakumullah for listening and tuning in once again always uh, a pleasure to see how many people are listening to the podcast and 
are in this journey to improve their health and health and, and in all different aspects, but also like really deeply care about pleasing Allah along the way. Um, it's it just I love to see a community of like minded people. It's honestly such an honor. So thank you so much to everyone and I'll see you in the next one, inshallah. Salam alaikum. ستعود جميلة تلك الأيام نملوها حبا عطفا وأمان وتعود الأرض لحالها لجمالها